Hey everybody, welcome back to another Theological Arsonist. Uh, I'm your host, Jonah Saller. I'm grateful that you are joining me today. It's been a little bit. I've been very busy uh, doing some traveling and just planning, trying to map out where I'm going from here with all this content. And so I've been taking just a little bit of a sabbatical from social media in general. But now I'm getting back into it, and I'm, I'm very excited to do so. And I'm thankful for your support, your patience with me. Um, and in today's episode, I want to address the, the phrase that you hear throughout the Reformed tradition, throughout really Protestantism as a whole, and that is uh, Semper Reformanda. And basically that's Latin for always reforming, always be reforming. And it's this idea that the church should always be reforming. It should always be analyzing itself and analyzing its consistency with Scripture. So in other words, if something has changed that is incongruent with Scripture, then that too needs to be reformed, even within the Reformation itself. And so it's an idea that we will never settle for something. We are always going to be looking and always testing what we believe, traditions we hold, rituals we practice up against the inspired Word of God. And the reason I want to bring this up is because one of the main criticisms that's been thrown at me as of late has been an abandonment. Jonah, you are abandon, abandoning the Reformed tradition. You're becoming Catholic. And a lot of people have kind of used this as, as ammo against me to try to point out that I am being inconsistent with the Reformation, the Reformed tradition. But what's so ironic about that is that what I am trying to do with this ministry is I'm trying to restore Catholicity to Protestantism because I fully believe in the Reformed cause. I fully believe in Protestantism. I believe that it has done a ton of good, and I believe that even looking at the Roman Catholic Church, the Reformation has brought lots of wonderful changes to the Catholic Church. And I would say without the Reformation, I don't know that we would have had a Vatican II, say. And obviously, there are some things that we might disagree with in Vatican II and some areas where maybe it wasn't such a good thing. But a lot of the things that happened in Vatican II, I do think intention-wise, was came out of a recognition of the good that the Reformation was doing. And so with that being said... We have this weird um, ideology that modern-day Protestants have that I just don't find anywhere in the early magisterial reformers. And what I mean by that is this. The early reformers, their goal, what they saw themselves as, what they saw themselves as doing, was reclaiming Catholicity, reclaiming true Catholic faith and practice. And so they had seen that during the Middle Ages, there were some uh, abhorrent practices that had risen up within the Roman Catholic tradition. And they looked at these things and said, we need to go back to the original apostolic Catholic faith. We need to remove the things that have popped up that don't belong, in other words. And so their idea of reformation was to reform the church to be more Catholic than it was. Now, it's unfortunate that the Roman Catholic Church has hijacked the term Catholic because there's this idea that when you say Catholic, you're automatically referring to Rome when that really shouldn't be the case. Catholic should be 
as I believe was defined. I forget <clears throat> forget the saint who defined it, but the Catholic faith is what has been believed in all places by all people at all times. And so the idea is the reformers were going, there are some things that are incongruent with this confession of Catholicity. We need to root that out and restore the Catholic faith. And so the Reformation, the goal was never to start a new church, never to branch out and become an entity unrecognizable. On the contrary, it was to become as Catholic as possible. As Catholic as possible. And so the Reformers, John Calvin, Martin Luther, even Zwingli to a certain extent at times, they viewed themselves as the true Catholic Church. Luther and Calvin definitely saw themselves as holding to the Catholic faith. Now, of course, there are elements within Luther and Calvin that I personally would see as not being Catholic, but the intent that they had was to restore what was lost, to restore and reform the church back into its Catholic and apostolic heritage. Now, the reason that I really labor that point is because Protestant identity has has taken a shift, specifically in the more magisterial reformed traditions. You don't really see this in big mega church evangelical churches, but in a lot of these reformed churches, and I hate to pick on these particular people, but specifically in more of the John MacArthur, John Piper type of young, restless, and reformed type movement, there seems to be an identity that is found solely in being opposed to Rome. And Protestantism has begun to find its identity not in being Catholic and as Catholic as they can be, but in being not Rome. And this is, this is where I have a really, really big problem. Because if the Protestant identity is solely focused on looking nothing like Rome then we've lost sight of the vision that the reformers had. We've lost sight of ultimately what their aim was and their noble aim. And that was to restore the church to Catholicity, to remove the things that are abhorrent and to replenish it with the things that are good. I apologize if you hear noise in the background. I got to turn my volume down here. All right. So here's where I have a problem. Not only do you have Protestants that have shifted away from this idea of Catholicity, we, we are the Catholic Church, we want to be as Catholic as we can. Not only has there been a shift away from that, there has also been an emphasis, again, like I said, an emphasis on we, we find our identity in opposing Rome. And because of this, and this is really the conclusion I want to get to, there is an, a, there's a dogmatism that if you or anybody looks at all like the Roman Catholic Church, anathema, very, very quickly in many, many cases. So if you have a high sacramentology, you believe in baptismal regeneration, you believe that Christ's body and blood are truly present in the Eucharistic celebration, if you believe those things, too Catholic, get out of here, you're not a real Protestant. If you believe that we're saved by faith, but that works play a necessary role, and you're not comfortable using certain phrases in Protestantism, bah, you're Catholic. You're, you're totally against the Protestant cause. All these different things, 
that have popped up that Protestants use to say you're not Protestant, that they find their identity in, and that's based in this disdain for Rome. And here's the reality. The Roman Catholic Church no doubt has some error that popped up into it in the Middle Ages that needed to be corrected. No denial of this on my part. I am fully in support of the Protestants and what they were trying to accomplish. However, what I am very against, and I think that we should all be against is coming to this position where we hate Rome so much and we hate Roman Catholicism so much that anything that appears to be like it is tossed out. Because that shows that there is no longer a commitment to Catholicity, but there is just a commitment to look something other than Rome, to look like something other than Rome. And this is where the phrase Semper Reformanda comes in. Because the phrase always reforming, always be reforming, insinuates that there's always a recognition that we are going to analyze the church and we are going to conform the church to ultimately what is biblical, what is the apostolic faith. And so I believe that much of what the Reformed tradition has done and found its identity in, which is opposing Rome, that is not Catholic. That is not truly always reforming. And more than that, we've become so sectarian in our attitudes, labeling ourselves Presbyterian, Anglican, Lutheran, all these different sects, and we have our confessions of faith, and we have these statements that we stand by, and we stand by them to the point that we treat them the same way that we critique the Roman Catholic Church of, of treating the magisterium. You see my point? So if we're going to critique the Roman Catholic Church as holding up the magisterium as being an infallible source of authority, and we're going to stand on Scripture alone, then we better not look at the Westminster Confession of Faith and say that that is the infallible authority by which we read the Scriptures. And yet many Protestants do, and if you question something, oh, that's not part of the Westminster Confession, that's not part of the canons, and you have stuff like that. I, a very good example of this would be the Federal Vision. The Federal Vision came out of Presbyterianism and is condemned by and large by all Presbyterians. Why? Because it doesn't conform itself to the Westminster divines. It doesn't conform itself to the confessions of the Presbyterian congregation. And what I have to ask is, why is that a huge problem? If, if the federal vision is biblical, if the federal vision is Catholic, if the federal vision is reforming the church in a positive direction, then that document that you yourselves, by saying sola scriptura, admit is not infallible, it really has no weight or binding on the Christian. Now, Presbyterians will fight on, fight on this. Well, it does have weight because it is biblical. Well, what about maybe your Lutheran brothers and sisters that would look at the Westminster and say, well, I, that's not that biblical. We believe in baptismal regeneration. We believe in things that the Westminster is just off on. Well, who are you going to trust? And this is where my argument of mere Catholicity comes into, right? Because ultimately you have the Lutherans with the Book of Concord and, and their, their different confessions. You have the Presbyterians, their Westminster. You have the Baptists with their Baptist, London Baptist Confession. You have the Anglicans with their 39 articles. You have all these different confessions and articles of faith. And they're all claiming this is Catholic, true Christianity. 
in light of the reformers and what they had taught. But the reality is, if we claim sola scriptura, which the Protestant Reformation by and large does, I have shared in previous videos that I don't think that this is the best approach. And the reason I don't is because it's a man-made doctrine. Ultimately, it came out of the Reformation. And me, trying to take Semper Reformanda seriously, I'm trying to reform the church back to an understanding of Catholicity that acknowledges that the church is also an infallible authority at times in certain situations and has been viewed that way. People love to hold up Augustine as a huge advocate of grace, a huge advocate of scripture, but Augustine himself on some different issues says ultimately whatever the Catholic Church says, that, that we have to trust. And Protestants will criticize me when they hear this. They'll criticize me saying that, I, that I'm putting weight into the Catholic Church. Again, not Roman Catholic, Catholic Church. But they will put just as much weight into the Westminster, into the London Baptist Confession, into the 39 Articles. And the point of the matter is, to me, if these are fallible, if we all are admitting, which Protestants do, these are all fallible, then we should be able to put them aside if the Reformation calls us to put them aside for a deeper and better Catholicity and reform. And so, to kind of launch back to those who critique me, Jonah, you're abandoning the Protestant Reformation. You're abandoning traditional Reformed theology. What I have to say to that is simply this. I'm abandoning man-made things. For what I have come to believe is deeper and truer faith. You can't blame me for that. And I think that all of you who are watching this right now, you believe what you believe at this exact moment because you believe that it is the deepest, truest faith. But I would also ask some of you, is what you believe truly the truth without a, without a shadow of a doubt in your mind? Or is some of what you believe simply what you believe because you're in opposition to Rome? And unfortunately, I have met multiple people who are in such opposition to Rome that it doesn't matter the exegesis of Scripture. It doesn't matter the teachings of the Church Father. It doesn't matter the continuity throughout Church history. If it resembles Roman Catholicism, it's off the table. This is not reformational thinking. This is innovative thinking. And the last thing that we want to do as Christians is innovate the church. Is bring the church into a deeper, deeper innovation that resembles nothing of Catholic faith. And unfortunately, I can go down the road right now and I can find a church that I would walk in and they would have doctrine that is completely different than what you would have found in a first century apostolic church. 100%. Mega churches, you have these motivational speakers that come onto the stage, they got their cup of coffee, they sit down in their big chair, they got the lights going crazy, you got the rock concert. That doesn't look Catholic to me. But guess what? It doesn't look like Rome, so I guess we're good. You see, this is just a bad way of thinking, and this is where the thinking ultimately leads. So I really appreciate Protestants that take Catholicity seriously. 
the Reformation was a good thing, and people who, who try to say that I, that I have abandoned the Reformation, not at all. I believe in the cause of the Reformation. I believe in what the Reformers were trying to do. I believe that there were errors in the Roman Catholic Church that needed to be rooted out so that the Catholic Church can become more Catholic, more apostolic, more rooted in the teachings of the apostles and of ultimately Christ himself. But in order to do that, we can't be afraid to look like Rome. And people who say, well, you don't want to just look like a knockoff version of Rome. Well, why not? If that's Catholic, if that's truly apostolic faith, then why not? Is it just because you disdain the Roman Catholic Church that you don't want to look like it? What's wrong with looking like Rome? And so I just, I think that, that we, we really need to analyze the why behind our protestantism that's my call right now why are you a protestant is it just because you oppose rome because if if that's the case then that's a horrible horrible way to find your identity it was peter lightheart who i who i really applaud for trying to do some of the things that i feel i'm trying to do as well peter lightheart who said that so long as protestantism finds its identity in being an opponent of the Roman Catholic Church, Jesus bids Protestantism to come and die. And that's exactly the way that I feel, exactly the way that I think we should treat this situation. So long as you watching this find your identity as a Protestantism, as a Protestant, in opposing the Roman Catholic Church, that version of Protestantism needs to die because it goes against what Christ prayed for. When he said, Lord, Father, let them be one as you and I are one, so that the world might know that you have sent me. I mean, that is very, very serious. That is the prayer of our God. The heart of Jesus Christ is for his church to be one. We are his body. A house divided cannot stand. And when we look at a culture that is crumbling and we wonder, why is our Christian influence not working? Well, maybe it's because we're dividing. Maybe it's because we are so obsessed with our differences that we are refusing to see that we all belong to one body. We need to not look at the Roman Catholic Church as a different church, as, oh, that's not my problem. No, that is your problem because that's part of the body of Christ that you're part of. We need to look at the Orthodox Church and not be detached going, oh, those are just a bunch of other weirdos doing their own thing. It's not my problem. No, that, that is your problem because those are your brothers and sisters. They're part of the body of Christ as well. And so any issue that is going on in Eastern Orthodoxy, any issue going on in Roman Catholicism, any issue going on in Protestantism, those are corporately our issues because it's our church that we are a part of. It is the Catholic Church. And the Catholic Church does not look pretty right now, which is why we need Semper Reformanda. It's why we need to always be reforming. It is why we need the Reformation. Because right now, Protestantism, Catholicism, Orthodoxy, it's all very messy. And it's going to stay messy. It's going to stay messy as long as we take a static view of the word reformed. As long as we take a view of that word that it's done, it's over, we're happy, we're just going to sit and read our confessions and live our faith and disengage from those who disagree with us, view them as outsiders. As long as we do that, the world will not know that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. 
That's what the Bible says. The oneness of the church, the visible oneness of the church is how the world knows that Jesus Christ is who he says he is. So as long as we're comfortable being Presbyterians, as long as we're comfortable being Anglicans, as long as we're comfortable being Baptists and Roman Catholics and Orthodox, as long as we're comfortable there in our little sects, the church, the body of Christ is going to suffer and the world is going to keep being blind to the truth. But when we start to take responsibility for the body of Christ that we are part of, when we start to see that the errors that are going on in Rome right now, the errors in orthodoxy, the errors in our own communions, when we start to see those as our problems and take responsibility as though they are our problems, because they are, that's when change is going to start to happen. That's when reformation is going to start to happen. And that is when people are going to start to try to be Catholic, as it truly is meant. The church cannot be fragmented like this. This is not the end for the church. And the church is not going to just sit, um, sit in the state that it's in, waiting for Jesus to show up and fix it. We have a commission. <laughs> if you don't remember, Jesus has all authority everywhere. And his commission is to go disciple the nations. How, does the, how are the nations discipled by a fragmented church that gives them a contradicting message about what the gospel is? How? I mean, these are really serious questions, and I'm sick and tired of people not asking them, not talking about it. Disciple the nations, everybody says. You got all these post-millennials, right? Myself included. Disciple the nations. Jesus has all authority. Okay, so let's go out and make the whole world Presbyterian, Anglican, Catholic. And once they're in one of these sects, what are we going to tell them about the others? Oh, don't bother them. Oh, don't, don't listen to their theology. They're wrong. By what standard are they wrong? By what standard are they not part of the body of Christ? You see, it's, it's so confusing, and we're not truly discipling the nations if we're not bringing them into the one church. And so if we're going to have a positive influence on the world with the gospel, we need to do a better job of having a positive influence on the church itself from within. We need to be ecumenical. We need to talk with one another. We need to challenge the issues that we see and come to conclusions. Justification is not a done deal yet. I'm sorry. I know the Reformation started and Luther said faith alone and Rome said anathema. It's not. Well, there you go. There's the body of Christ divided. And some Protestants are happy going, oh, well, Rome's just a false church. It's a false church with a false god, a false religion. Give me a break. Give me a break. No, those are our brothers and sisters. And we might think they're confused on justification. But saying, eh. Since you're confused, we're going to just toss you out as not being our brothers and sisters anymore. Well, guess what? That doesn't fix the problem. Right now, justification is not a decided issue. Some people say it's not by faith alone. Others say it is. So we need to get together as brothers and sisters and discuss it and come to the bottom line of what this doctrine is. And guess what? If we did that, as the Council of Jerusalem did, it seems good to us and to the Holy Spirit... We would come to a decision, and the Holy Spirit would honor that, guide that, and bring about true reformation within the church. But unfortunately, we're too darn stubborn 
to want to sit down with those filthy papists and have a conversation. And it's the same on that side, too. Because they have the idea that their magisterium is infallible, their papacy is infallible, they don't want to sit down with us and have that conversation either because they view us as a sect of, of Christianity that just, oh, they don't have the fullness of the truth. It's a pride issue, and pride is always the root of sin, and pride is what led to the fall, what led to Satan's fall, what led to evil just permeating the world. And we've allowed it to eat away at the hearts of the church, at the hearts of Christians that should be for one another, that should be seeking ecumenical dialogue. And so I am so grateful for those that are actually trying to do this. I think of uh, Peter Lightheart. He comes to mind as a Protestant who's really, really working hard at this right now. I think of, um, I think of uh, Scott Hahn uh, and even people like Trent Horn from uh, Catholic Answers that are working hard on their end to try to have more dialogue with Protestants and try to show that Catholicism needs to become more evangelical. Think of uh, Father My, uh, Father uh, Josiah Trenum from the Eastern Orthodox Church, who talks about how much he appreciates his Protestant background and how we need the Eastern Orthodox Church needs to take cues from Protestantism. These are people that are all trying their best to really bring about a oneness that Christ prayed for within the body, within His body. And so, this is my challenge. I, I'm not going to go on too much longer, but this is my challenge. If we as Protestants, who have true and valid and real disagreement with the Roman Catholic Communion, if we as Protestants see those issues and we say, Semper Reformanda, and we say, always reforming, but we stop dead in our tracks and stay content in our sects of Christianity, then we are not actually honestly believing the words that we're saying. If we are trying to reform the church and we believe that it's an always reforming process, it's an always analyzing, always conforming it to the word of God, then we need to get up and get to work because there's a lot of work to be done and there's a lot of souls at stake. So brothers and sisters, gather with me in a pursuit of mere Catholicity. Gather with me throwing away the attitude that the Roman Catholic Church, that's not my problem. Gather with me and recognize that when we seek Catholicity in our faith, when we seek to be Catholic, we might look a little bit like Rome, we might look a little bit like the East, and we might look a little bit like Protestantism. And that is a beautiful thing, and I believe that's God's intent with this mess. Because to us, it looks like chaos. To me, it looks like chaos. But I know that the Reformation happened for a reason. I know it was a good reason. I know the schism between East and West happened for a reason. I know it was a good reason. And I think the reason is, if I can just take an outside look, trying to look, where is this all going? This is where it's going. The Eastern Church has things that are so unique and so beautiful and so wonderful that we as Christians need. The Western Church, the Roman Church, they have so many things, so many beautiful, wonderful things that we need as Christians. And us Protestants, we have such beautiful, wonderful things that we need to share. We have brought back the authority of Scripture. We have put it in the hands of the laity and lifted them up as the priesthood of all believers. We have, we have started to use the vernacular of the people. All of these different things. 
We've been evangelical in our faith. All of these things are so wonderful, and we need one another. We as Protestants need to become more like Rome and more like the East. The Eastern Church needs to become more like Rome and more like us Protestants. And the Roman Catholic Church needs to become more like the East and more like us Protestants. And guess what? If we all took steps to do that, if we all took steps to do that, we would become one church again. And very surprisingly, we'd look around and go, wow, we're Catholic. I believe that's where we're going. I believe that's what needs to happen. And I believe that people who are against this, anybody who's against the unity of the body of Christ, <laughs> let them be anathema. Because unity within Christ's body should be our highest priority and our deepest prayer, our, our deepest longing. And I think that when we truly pray for this and we truly say lord bring this to pass we are ultimately praying to a heart that that prayed the same thing so the heart that says lord make your church one is the, is the heart of jesus christ so i'm so grateful to the many people from rome and the east and from protestantism that are working towards this right now I'm working towards this right now. And I, I think just to kind of close up, this, the thing that makes me most sad is I, I'm very Protestant still. I have a very deep attachment to my Protestantism. I believe in the cause of the Reformation. And the biggest criticism I have gotten from people has been that I'm looking too much like Rome. And what makes me very sad about this accusation is that it shows that the Protestants have found their identity. And I, I talked about this at the beginning, but I feel the need to reiterate it. Protestants have found their identity in, in looking like whatever Rome is. Or looking, Protestants have found their identity in looking the opposite of what Rome is, right? And so if I look like Rome, if I resemble Rome in any way, if I do the sign of the cross, if I pray with prayer beads, if I believe in the real presence, if I believe in baptismal regeneration, those things look very Roman Catholic. And so people distance themselves from that on that basis. But the question is, is this Roman Catholic or is this Catholic? Is this what has been believed in all places by all people at all times? And I think an honest look at church history and an honest look will say yes. And if that's the case, and it's consistent with what Scripture says, then we have absolutely no reason to reject it. It makes me sad that you can have three churches, three, four, five, maybe even more, all within... 10 miles of each other within Protestantism. And yet they don't do anything with one another. They just kind of sit there and exist as little individual independent entities. So many Christians in these little buildings all within 10 mile radius of one another. And they don't do anything together. And that's one of my biggest problems with Protestantism is that we... We have an opportunity, even within our own communion, I guess you could say, 
to to engage with other churches and yet we don't because we're so comfortable being little entities crafted to our own understanding of theology and what is right and what is wrong and how we should worship God and how we shouldn't worship God. And if the church down the road doesn't do it like us, well, well, we just can't do anything with that church. It makes me it makes me very sad. And I know that we can do a better job at unifying and it starts there, right? It starts with the church that's down the road. It starts with going to that church and saying, "Hey, we're another church right right down the street from you guys. We'd love to do something with you. We'd lo- we'd love to engage with the community with you. We'd love to partner with you in different ministries to disciple together, to 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 worship together." That that's that's how it starts. And then from there it goes out. And eventually it reaches a point where you have a Baptist who walks into a Catholic church and says, "Brothers and sisters, we'd love to do something with you." And the Catholic says, "We we'd love to do something with you too." And the pinnacle of this, brothers and sisters, the pinnacle is when you have a Roman Catholic coming into a Baptist church to take Eucharist. And you have a Baptist going into a Roman Catholic church to take Eucharist. When you have all the denominations of all the churches receiving the Lord's Supper at the same table together, that is how you know that unity, visible unity, has been reached. And this is like, this is the deepest desire of my heart. I want to see it so bad. But as long as we continue to have sectarian attitudes, as long as we continue to to give lip service to the word semper reformanda, but don't actually act upon it, so long as we continue in that way, Jesus' prayer for the oneness of the church will never come to pass. And I believe that he has raised me and others up to call people to this, to call people to this oneness as the means by which this will come to pass. And I believe, I'm not trying to lift myself up as like, I'm a huge reformer, but I, I want this because Christ prayed for it and it's very important to me. And I believe that potentially through my words, through other people's words, Peter Lightheart, others, other people will be raised up and those people are going to preach this. And other people will be raised up. And it's going to have a chain effect. And soon, it's going to start to take place. But until then, brothers and sisters, let us be vigilant in prayer for the oneness of the church. And let us challenge ourselves to not allow sectarian attitudes to take over our thinking so that we find our identity, our identities only in opposing those who we disagree with. And when we do that, we will slowly start to become true Catholics that hold to an apostolic faith that was once for all delivered to the saints.